0: Have you ever noticed that just a couple of words can remind you of a story that either you experienced or that was told to you? We're going to practice it for just a second. I'm going I'm to show you a couple of words, and I just want you to think about a moment. Maybe it made you laugh. Maybe it's a story that you've never told anyone. Maybe it's one that you would rather forget. But just a couple of words can often remind us That there's a story that taught us something or brought us humor. So the first one would be spring break. Just think about it for a second. Some of those things that aren't allowed in church, just remember those. Yeah, good times, right? In order to get this really cute college girl to want to stay with me, um, my first college spring break, it was snowing here. We had no plans to go anywhere. We were both working, and she said, I would really love to go to Disney World, like the day that spring break was starting. And so we decided to drive straight to Florida, crash for three hours in the hotel rooms of our like, the students that were on our floors that were already in Florida, get up, drive to Magic Kingdom, go to Magic Kingdom for the day, and then drive back to Ohio. She married me, so it worked. The worst part of that story is that that was, that was pre-just Google it, right? So that was a, a few years ago, and my thought was that on spring break, to get into Disney World, you would need to be there really, really early, or else... You would miss half of the day because we've heard that thousands and thousands of people would go there, and I had never been. So I woke her up at about 5 o'clock in the morning, and we got in the car and drove from, because we were in Tampa, and drove to Orlando to be there just in case it opened. Well, the park didn't open until 10, and the purchasing of tickets didn't happen until about 9.30. And so we sat at a turnstile waiting on tickets to be sold for like two and a half hours. It was interesting when the cast member walked in the back of the ticket booth to like open her station. And then two humans just popped up in front of her as soon as the doors slid because she didn't see us sitting at the bottom. And so we just popped up. And we're like, we're ready for Magic Kingdom. And she, she lost it a little bit. Maybe a lot. And then her response when we said we're only going for one day, she said, oh, sweetie. And we were like, "What? wait a minute, what? And she was like, well, you're only here for one day? And I was like, don't say more. I don't have any money to buy this girl another day of park tickets. And she was like, oh, well, I hope you find enough to, like, you get to do something today. Because there's so much to do there. And she was almost mourning our experience. Here's another one. Opening day. If you've ever had an opening day experience, baseball, football, basketball, I don't have any good opening day stories. Next one, middle school. Some of those stories could be amazing. Some of those stories could be why we still see professionals. Some friendships are built there. We start to figure things out. I've been doing middle school ministry for about 18 years, so it's an interesting space. I like to connect with people in. And then there's this one. Wrestlemania I know for those of you who've attended Echo for a while you probably have some repressed feelings about that that you're like oh no this is Steve's thing I hear everyone's invited to Steve's house it's today I don't know if you heard it's today like there's this thing called Wrestlemania that's happening today it's like a, a weekend event everyone's talking about it bigger than the Masters, is what some are saying. WrestleMania, for me, brings up a few memories. One, growing up, my great-grandmother loved Hulk Hogan. Great-grandmother, maybe great-great-grandmother. And she had this, like, two-foot-tall Hulk Hogan rubber-flexible doll. And I remember it because I grew up liking wrestling, like Hulk Hogan and Junkyard Dog and Andre the Giant and all of that world and playing with wrestlers. And so I would go to her house and see this giant Hulk Hogan and think, we should be allowed to play with that. But you were not allowed to touch Hulk Hogan because he belonged to her. It's weird, I know. It reminds me of her when I hear WrestleMania. I think back to that. I can see the doll. And I can remember my great-grandmother and her being this, like, Hulkamaniac. And that for Christmas, my cousins would buy her, like, Hulk Hogan paraphernalia. And that was what she would own. And she's this, like, wrestling. It's crazy. But then I also think about WrestleMania, and it takes me back to my first ministry. I was in Xenia, Ohio uh, for the first eight years. And a couple of years into working there as a youth minister, a student came in on a Sunday night at, uh, it was WrestleMania. I didn't realize that it was, because my wrestling days had been over, because kind of as you grow older, you kind of outgrow some things. (laughs) You're welcome. Yeah, no, you're welcome. Um, And so I wasn't into wrestling at that season, and I didn't really know the schedule, And here comes this young man, his name is Jeremiah, and Jeremiah walks into our student ministry dressed in tights, with shorts on top of his tights, and an oversized t-shirt that has a big skull on the front. And as he comes in, I see a lot of the younger students starting to make fun of Jeremiah, and they're looking around going, what is wrong with this guy? Jeremiah comes straight to me and he looks and he's like, Do you know what today is? And I'm like, I, I didn't miss Halloween as a student ministry because I don't know. Why are you dressed up? And he was like, Oh, it's WrestleMania. It's like the biggest day of the year. Don't you know? And I'm like, No, who? I know wrestlers though. Who are, who are you? He's like, Oh, I am my own wrestler, I am Bone Crusher. And if anyone makes fun of me tonight, I will crush their bones. And I'm like, oh no, <laughs> we're going to have a fight at youth group tonight. You see, Jeremiah had been um, through a lot. His story is is unique to the environment where we had our student ministry. Most students were blue-collar families from the town that had the tornado in the 70s, and that's what they're known for, and that's all they talk about in Xenia, Ohio. Uh, I learned that early on when I got there, was that everything was either pre-tornado or post-tornado. And the students there had this blue-collar environment, love life, very communal, engaged with one another. But Jeremiah was isolated. He was alone. He'd been neglected since he was a baby. More than likely because of the drug use of his mom, his brain had not developed fully. His neglect had gone to the extreme that um, as he was in elementary age school, he had even um, gotten some fungus under his nails, and his parents never dealt with it. So he would come into youth group by the time he's in high school, and his fingernails were lifted up, and there was just fungus between his thumb and his nail. It's not an attractive thing, right? His developmental issues had caused him to stay in high school for about six years. He was in classes that were built strategically for him because the school administrators cared about him enough not to just send him away, but they weren't sure what was next for Jeremiah. And so when he came in on the night dressed as Bone Crusher And looked around and said, and if anyone makes fun of me, I knew he wasn't messing around, that if anyone in that space really did make fun of him on that night, he was going to throw punches or come off of a top rope or chairs might just be involved. More than likely they were going to. Because there was so much going on inside. WrestleMania reminds me of Jeremiah just about every year when I see It come up on a screen. I'm like, I remember Jeremiah. I bet he's dressed as Bone Crusher this week. I bet he's ready to watch his pay per view show tonight, wrestle and have fun. Because sometimes a word will just remind you of a story. And it'll remind you of a person, or remind you of a moment, or remind you of a lesson. We're storytelling beings as humans. In just about every moment that we live, we're surrounded by story. Some of those stories are manifested in epic ways and they're three-hour movies and we go to see them and we watch and we critique whether or not we were engaged fully in the story. Did we connect with the character? Other times, they're just short tweets that we see story unfold in short characters. We're so good at story that we've taken little... Photos and turn them into emojis so that we can tell a story in a picture very quickly. Because we tell stories. More than that, though, we are story listeners. We were created not just to tell a story, but to also listen to the story that is around us. And the stories that are around us are not just to give us more value to our own life, but actually as story listeners, I believe that God created us so that we could hold one another's stories in respect and love. And that by holding one another's story, we could see the truth of the gospel in each story that's being told and heard so that we can celebrate it and share it with one another. I believe that the greatest response we could have to Easter would be to then engage in the story that God told through his son Jesus. He's an epic storyteller. He left us these parables throughout his story. And in the parables, he had this tension Whereas he was telling them, he would say, some will not understand this because this is not for you now, but for you, my disciples who were with him at the time, you're going to start to understand so that you can carry the story forward. But there's going to come a time where everyone is invited to know and understand the story. The resurrection of Jesus is that moment that says, now everyone's welcome to know and understand. So for the next few weeks, we're going to look back at the stories that Jesus told before his death through the lens of his resurrection to see what is that good news that's in there. In every story that we listen to, we need to search to find the good news that's within it. Whether it's a heart-wrecking story or the most affirming, encouraging story of Oprah giving you a car. Finding the good news within each story helps us find where Jesus is moving his story forward as he engages in his kingdom. When we're intentional about listening to stories well, we can hold stories with respect and love, but there are principles in order for us to do that. And while we both talk about the gospel in this series, we're also going to ask you to practice some story listening principles as we move forward together through the series. And so here's your story listening principle for this week engage with your body and with your gestures. When we listen to stories, when we're fully engaged, our body dictates whether we're ready to hear or not. And so as we listen this morning, I want to challenge you to engage with your body into the story that you hear, but also after we are finished today, that when you go to lunch, will you engage in the stories that are told by the way that your body is engaged toward the person? Do you make eye contact Do you have your phone out? Are you listening both to the person who's speaking to you and the two conversations that are happening in the booths next to you to see whether or not you have an opinion about those? Are you searching for words as you listen to the story that will affirm your story? Or are you searching for words as you listen to the story that will affirm the storyteller? Are you watching for emotion? I don't know if you have kids, but you can tell when your kids are not engaged in the story because they throw themselves on your couch, flip their feet out, lay slackly back, and then pull their phone out of their pocket as the story starts. And you know, as a parent, it's the moment that you say, put that away and listen to me. Because the most engaging posture that we can have when a story is told is to actually lean into the story. Jesus asks for our posture to engage when his story is being told and to lean in. You'll hear it again in the story today that I'm going to share with you in Luke chapter 8. But he will say, he who has ears, let him hear. He says this throughout his gospel. And what he's saying when he says that is lean into this story. Don't just let the story pass you by. But with your body, lean into what I am saying and find meaning in what I'm about to tell you. And so will we lean in together today? As Jesus left these parables as imaginative and adventurous ways to know and share good news, we get to find his story within. If you have a Bible, you can look um, and you can use one of the blue ones in front of you. We're going to be in Luke chapter 8 for just a few minutes this morning. I think it's on page 731 if you're using the blue book. So here's the story. Jesus has been gathering his followers. He starts his journey with inviting this collection of 12. And then that 12 begins to grow and you start to see Men and women who have been healed by Jesus, who have been engaged in story by Jesus, who have been invited to come and follow are starting to work around him, and they're becoming his disciples. And it's very interesting in Luke, Luke often uses the term disciple not for the 12, but he uses disciple for the ones who were close and always in a community following him. He doesn't list the 12 As disciples, he used more of an apostolic word with them. And if you look at the beginning of of Luke chapter 8, it actually says that as the crowds are going to grow and as Jesus is moving forward, his disciples continue to grow. And he starts to specifically list these names of some women in this story. He says, soon afterward, he went on through the cities and villages, proclaiming and bringing the good news of the kingdom of God. And the twelve were with him. And also some women who had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities, Mary called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had gone out, and Joanna, the wife of Chuza, Herod's household manager, and Susanna, and many others who provided for them out of their means. The story is not necessarily just the parable that we're about to go into. The story is the community of people that a story is told to. So when Jesus begins to say, this crowd has gathered, and Luke specifically says the 12, the people that Jesus had invited in to take this message, and this other community that has been treated until now as property instead of people, are welcomed in as disciples. If you look at most pagan writings about women during this time, they were treated really, really poorly utilized this property, Most, most relationships were transactional. If you took advantage of someone's wife or daughter, you had to pay them back in goods or with life because it was viewed as you have damaged my property or my goods instead of you have broken my relationship or defiled my family. And yet Jesus brings in to his community, the ones who were not believed to have value as humans, but were viewed as property, and says this story next. He says, And when the great crowd was gathering and people from town after town came to him, he said, The sower went out to sow his seed. And as he sowed, some fell along the path and was trampled underfoot, and the birds of the air devoured it. And some fell on the rock, and as it grew up, it withered away, because no, it had no moisture. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up with it and choked it. And some fell into good soil and grew and yielded a hundredfold. And as he said these things, he called out, He who has ears, let him hear, lean in. So he gathers this community of men and women who have been told over and over that they're not great. Their value has been less. And yet they come and follow. If you grew up with seven demons inside of you, you probably had something said about you growing up. You had unclean spirits, leprosy, fungus under your fingernails. And this was the crowd that stood in front of Jesus and he turned to them and said, this is the good news. A man picked up this seed and he began to walk and throw it. And some fell on a path and some fell on rocks. Some fell among the thorns and some fell in good soil. And he gives warnings there right and and later in this same passage which is un Unlike Jesus with most parables, he actually breaks the parable down as this first kind of launching into ministry teaching moment because the disciples ask, what does it mean? He, he gives a little illustration and says, the seed on the path is going to be trampled because this reflects when the word, when the good news of Jesus is given to people and Satan comes and tries to steal it away how does Satan steal? Lies and deceit, usually. And it gets trampled. He actually uses the words there intentionally of saying, when he says that Satan comes for the, the seed on the path and it tramples it, it steps on it, it crushes it. Oppression. And he says sometimes the seed falls on the rock and it It gets a good start, but there's no root there. And so because there's no root, while it's in the rocks, it can't grow very big. And for a little bit of time, these are like people who hear the good news and they hear the word and they like it and it sounds great and they find some type of meaning in it, but they're not rooted in it. And so it starts to wither when they have all these other opportunities or temptation or stress or anxiety And then he talks about the thorns, and he says this this is the seed that falls in the the space that it gets quenched by the desires of the world that steal away from the ability to claim good news because the desires for things, an unhealthy relationship, and brokenness choke out the good news. But there is good soil. And when the word falls on good soil, it grows. And it takes root. And it stays. And it endures. And this crowd is listening to Jesus as he tells this story. And I wonder if they're like some of us wondering I'm on the path. Am I on a rock? Am I in the thorns? Or I wonder if this crowd recognized that what the parable is actually saying is the sower sows seed everywhere. He's not inviting anyone to question whether or not they are good soil. He's saying I give everyone equally my good news and you'll know if you are good soil because it will start to grow. And it starts to take hold. When Jesus breaks down the parable at the end, he actually doesn't define who the sower is. In some stories, he tells you who the king is, who the master is. In this story, he skips the sower and says, the seed is the word of God. And when we go and we take the word of God or the good news of God and we begin to share that, it will fall in some places that will look great at first but will get trampled down. It will fall in other places that will look good at first but will not take root and will go away. It will look good at first in some places but it will get quenched, but then it will look great in other places as it patiently endures in nobility and honesty. The good news of the parable of the sower is that Jesus' news, his word, is for everyone. The parable is not A man went to sow some seed in his yard and looked and saw that there were weeds. And so he held the seed back and did not sow any seed there. But then he went on and then he saw that there were rocks. And since there were rocks, he did not sow any seed there so that he would not waste any. But then he went on and saw that there was a path and thought... I shouldn't put any on the path because nothing can grow on the path. And then he came to a field and he saw the field and he saw that there was a man in the field and the man in the field was plowing the the field and the soil was good. And so there, this sower planted all of his crop in the field. He who has ears, let him hear. That's not the story. The story is there was a man with the good news and so he took all the good news that he had And everywhere he took a step, he left the good news in that place. Because he wasn't sure if in the cracks of the path there might be some good soil. He wasn't sure if on the edge of the thorns there might be some good soil. He wasn't sure if on the rocks on the other side some seed would fall and there was good soil. He just knew that wherever there was good soil, the good news would take hold and so he shared it freely even in places that looked hopeless just in case because the good news is for everyone and in luke 8:15 he says as for that in the good soil they are those who hearing the word hold it fast in an honest and good heart and bear fruit with patience Who is struggling to hear the word that is good news? It's really a challenging question for me right now. Who doesn't get to hear? And if I am in this story, it looks like if Jesus is speaking to his disciple, if I claim that I am his disciple and I carry the word, and I am to give it wherever I step, I have two questions. Are there people around me who do not have the good word that is seed being sown into them because I'm not stepping there? Or because I'm holding back the gift because I don't believe it's good soil? The good news for me in this the story is that all I have to do is decide that I'll just go somewhere and give freely, and the rest is in Jesus' hands to deepen the root and to grow the faith. So, where are you walking? And what are you sharing? Jeremiah was standing at the front of the stage. It was the end of the WrestleMania night, and he was dressed as Bone Crusher. And he looked at me, and he said, So, I've been thinking about what you said last week, and I have two questions. This was the first time that he had done this, but it was going to be the thing that he did every Sunday for the next seven years, though he had a relationship. He came up and said, last week, you talked about sometimes things that we see can cause our minds to think about things that we're not supposed to think about. I was like, that was pretty much it. Yes, well said. You want to preach next week? He was like, well, I was thinking about that, and I have a question, okay? Should I take the picture or the posters of the girls off of my wall? What kind of girls are on your wall? wrestling girls yes I probably because all I do is look at them and think about them really what do you think an honest and good heart right I said what do you think and he said I think about how cool it would be to be married to one of them because I would be Bone Crusher and they would be my wrestling wife. (laughs) And I thought, huh, it's now become questionable as to whether or not you have to take that poster down. I'm not sure. You might be allowed to leave it. I'm like, for real? I was like, you think about wife? And he's like, yeah. He's like, you know, he's like, I, I look at that poster and I think, I want one of those two women to be my wife, kind of like the marriage you and Sarah have, or... If you die, then I'll just take Sarah. (laughs) Yeah, that's Jeremiah. (laughs) And I looked at him and I was like, what? And he's like, your wife's beautiful. (laughs) Huh? And he said, yeah, you better watch out. I'm coming for her. And I was like, Jeremiah, she's my wife. And he's like, I know. Something may happen to you. I'm bone crusher. (laughs) And I thought, Jeremiah... I don't know if you're supposed to take those posters down. What do you think God's telling you to do about those posters? And he's like, I probably shouldn't look at them. I just like dreaming about a wife. If i frame that story differently, it looks so weird, right? High school boy comes up to me and says, I have a wall full of posters with girls in wrestling outfits on my wall. Should I take them down? Youth ministry hat goes on and says absolutely. Stop looking at stuff. Let me see your computer. Right? Like we go to a conclusion. You just never know where the word is going to fall. What's going to happen. See Jeremiah was never supposed to even be in that room. So When I showed up at the church the first week that I was there. I had heard stories about this kid in the neighborhood who wasn't allowed to go to youth group, and we were actually creating a security detail around the church just to make sure that we stopped losing stuff. Windows were broken. Xboxes were gone. Food was always leaving the kitchen. And they believed it was this kid named Jeremiah, this punk from the neighborhood. So the first Sunday I was there I see this kid walking up to the church and I introduce myself and immediately he's like I'm going, I'm going, I'm going, I'm leaving. And I'm like I, "I, have we met before? And he was like I know I'm not supposed to be here. I'm like oh you must be Jeremiah. Yeah. Like, so you've heard about you, huh? <laughs> he's like Yeah. And then one of the elders walks out of the church and says, you can't be here. I'm like, you can't? No. I'm like, well, he's here with me tonight, so he gets to be here. I will stand next to him the entire night, and he gets to be here as long as he's with me. You cool with that? Elder's exact words. As long as you're good with us taking the window that he breaks out of your paycheck. I'm like, okay, sure. You don't pay me anything anyway so as we go through the night, I looked at at Jeremiah, and I'm like, so are you, are you really the guy that throws bricks through windows? And he's like, no, doors. Why did you throw a brick through a door? Because they were having fun inside, and no one would let me in. Why did you steal the Xbox? Because they're here every week playing it, and then I show up, and they put it away and lock it up, because I'm not allowed to play it. Why do you steal the food? because I thought it was free and I'm hungry. So if we invited you into youth group and you could hang out here every Sunday night, would you make me a promise? Depends on what the promise is. Don't break my stuff. Don't steal my stuff. And you can eat whatever you want. Yeah, I can do that. And I'll add one more thing. Will you bring back the stuff that you stole? Oh, yeah, sure, I don't even know how to work it. It's just sitting in my room. I just didn't want anyone else to play it. Anger, frustration, contempt, because he wasn't allowed to belong. And so he threw bricks in windows and stole Xboxes just so that no one else could have fun either, because the whole world wanted to make sure it seemed like that Jeremiah knew he didn't belong either. So Jeremiah came to youth group, and he ate all the food. Man, did he eat all the food. And then on one Sunday in April, he came up and said, can I ask you two questions? Remember last week you were talking about baptism? I went home, and I told my mom about it, and she said she didn't care what I did. So I just wanted to know, is it okay if I'm baptized today? I'm Like, yes. Of course, right? Like, what am I going to say? No. And then his second question was great. And Can I wear my Bone Crusher shirt when I do it? Because I think that would be really cool if Bone Crusher was baptized too. As for that, in the good soil, they are those who, hearing the word, hold it fast in an honest and good heart and bear fruit with patience. Lean in. Listen with your body, because the good news is for everyone, even our wrestling friends, especially them. I'm sure there's someone this week who needs a little good news in their story. I just want to invite you to walk among the weeds and through the thorns and on the path and over the rocks and find good soil because there's good news I'm not sure what t-shirt he's going to be wearing this week but he needs to hear it and he's probably in your life let's pray Jesus thank you for story even personally thank you for the seasons where i've been on a path or in thorns And you've been steady just to continue to give me your word. I pray for our friends who each of us know that don't believe that they belong in your story or in your kingdom right now. And I pray that you give us the courage just to lean in and listen to their story and share good news with them that they belong to. We give you praise for all that you've done so that your gospel is for everyone. And it's in your name. Amen.